Hello everyone, Scott here. Um, just before we get into today's episode where we talk about News of the Dead and Damien Barr's Big Scottish Book Club on the BBC with Ella and Lex, I would like to come on to just let you know a little bit of housekeeping. Um, this episode is the first time that Natalie and I have managed to record together um, and we also decided that that wasn't enough so we invited two guests on as well and at some points our audio levels are not to the standard that we would love to share with you. So apologies for that. On top of that we also were at a wedding the day before this so three out of the four of us have a little bit of a horse throat but don't worry, what we say is still pure quality. Remember to tune in to Damien Barr's Big Scottish Book Club after you listen to today's episode um, to find out if everything that we said uh, actually came true. Until then, I hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Wee Scottish Book Club with us, TV superstars and Scottish legends, Natalie and Scott, bringing you a Damien Barr's Big Scottish Book Club special. You haven't watched it yet? What the fuck are you waiting for? Today's special is, as Natalie said, a big old special about the Big Scottish Book Club on the Wee Scottish Book Club. And today we are joined by two of our Filming Supremos, Ella and Lex. Hello. Hi. And we're actually coming live from my wee tiny office. Yeah. First time we have done this together. This is special, isn't and we're it? we're joined by these pair of dafties. And neither of us can speak. My voice is appalling. Yeah. Mine's yeah. a wee bit better. So last <clears throat> night we were at Carrie's wedding. Um, and things got a bit out of hand. And Ella, would you like to tell us more? I just talked really loudly and I, I lost my voice. Mm. What was that? Could you say it a wee bit louder for the people <laughs> at the back? What <laughs> <laughs> uh, podcast this is going to be? <laughs> oh, to be fair, I've got a better excuse. I was singing to Taylor Swift all night. I was so doing that too. That's why I can't speak very well. So guys, everybody that's coming on the podcast, we want to ask them one simple question. What does Scottish literature mean to you and why is it so important? I can answer that one. And as soon as you ask that question, I've got goosebumps. Like, I've got goosebumps. Goosebumps. Oh, I want. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to try not to cry. And I know that sounds really ridiculous, but Scottish literature to me means home. Um, I, in the last year, have read... I don't even know so many Scottish books that have just made me feel so proud to be Scottish and made me kind of something that I already knew but I suppose think more about our language and how important our language is. I've had lots of conversations with people about um, books that are written in Scots and how important that is and a lot of people have told me that they are ashamed of their accents, they're ashamed of their voices and that has put them off doing a lot of things in life and it just makes me want to shout louder about Scottish literature because there's so so many wonderful Scottish voices out there and I I love all books there's very few books that I don't love but there is something so comforting about reading a book that you identify with on a level that just you just feel seen you feel understood and even if it's not a story that you can 100% relate to, so it might not be from, you know, it might not be for the West Coast, I still can take a book for the East Coast. Can we? You know, well, well you right. know. All right, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the room. Actually, this is quite a good split. We've got, a, we've got yeah, the two East Coasts and the two West Coasts. This is nice. Nah, absolutely. <clears throat> but no, I mean, seriously, I can read a book that is, even, I live in Edinburgh, I've lived there for 13 years, but I'm Glaswegian and I'm a very, very proud Glaswegian. But reading books that are set in Edinburgh, that are set in Aberdeen, that are set in the Highlands, I, they feel... They're my books. Mm -hmm. They belong to me too. And I just feel really, really proud. 
Well, it's like that thing where we do have other cultures in Scotland just because us at the rest are better doesn't mean our culture is the main one. All right. <laughs> All, right. All right. I mean, West is best as a season for the reason. No, I don't think so. No, but I think overall, like for me, the thing about Scottish literature is home and comfort and pride. That I liked what you said best. about Scottish voices because yeah. the thing for me, I would have never, ever, ever done a podcast with this voice before I read Scottish literature. And that, when I hear people say things like that, it makes me, it makes me really sad because there's so many people in this country. And I think it's a particularly West Coast thing. Um, I'm sure it's, maybe I'm just more aware of it in the West Coast. And I know that I myself was ashamed of my accent for a long time growing up. And I don't have a particularly strong Glaswegian accent anymore because I've lived in Edinburgh for so long and other places before that. I've unfortunately in many ways lived most of my life out of Glasgow than in Glasgow so my accent is quite diluted but when I was young when I was probably about your age Natalie I so was 20 <laughs> I was um I was very ashamed of my accent and I tried to hide where I came <coughs> from and now I wish my accent was more west coast because I want people to know instantly that I'm not from Edinburgh no offence to my Edinburgh people who are. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Thanks very much. And just just as a wee, a wee like bit at the bottom there, East Coast is fine too. We're also good. We've got yeah, some nice lovely, things. Lovely weather. Especially Dundee. Yeah, microclimate. Um, and Edinburgh. Where I live and love. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, for you, Ella, it's a bit different. You didn't actually, you'd never read a book in Scotch. You didn't know much. So I loved Burns. He's my favourite poet. I... I've loved Burns since I read him, I think. And I think, yeah, I think that was the only Scots I ever read. I read The Cone Gatherers at School, which I'm sure on its own is a good book. But when you've studied it, it wasn't the most thrilling thing for a 17-year-old to read, to be honest. And that was it. I'd never heard, really, of any Scottish literature. I knew Conan Doyle was maybe from Edinburgh, but he was saying London, so... Um, and for me, Scottish literature actually is all tied up. It's like, you know, when you have a song and that is tied up in a moment, Scottish literature for me makes me think of the book club and community and finding, sorry, <coughs> finding a community during lockdown when everyone yeah. was so isolated because I never read any. And then the book club came along and I read Chucky Bain. And then we read Scary Queen and The Young Team and it just kept going and I fell in love and saw sides of Scotland that I've never seen. Mm -hmm. um, met people from all over. I don't know. I know quite a lot of West Coast people, but I don't know much about the West Coast. And I just, for me, it makes me feel like I know the country I grew up in so much better. And then I'm a lot more in touch with everyone rather than just the people I know. I don't know yeah, yeah. Actually, what yeah. we said in episode one it's it's this little subgroup within the whole scottish ecosystem where we just get together and not just chat books isn't it so i suppose that kind of leads us on quite nicely to another question how did you come about the scottish book club and what does it mean to you personally so I think it was in, um, well, I'll probably get the timings wrong, but I think maybe October last year, I um, heard about Shuggy Bain, bought Shuggy Bain. As soon as I saw the synopsis for it, you know, 1980s, Glasgow, gay, hello, is, is this guy writing my story? What is this? Um, and weirdly almost kind of felt like it was. Read Shuggy Bain, absolutely adored it. It was just one of the most incredible books I'd read in my adult life. And it was about where I was from. There was people in that book that I knew. You know, I knew an Agnes. I knew many an Agnes. Um, I knew Shuggy. And it just, I really, really identified with it. So after I read it, I spent quite a lot of time on Instagram searching the hashtag Shuggy Bean because I wanted to find people to talk to about this book. I just wanted to talk to everyone. Um, and that's how I found Natalie. Um, she had posted about the Scottish Book Club and about Shuggy Bain being the first book. So I got in touch straight away and said, you know, I've read this book. The Scottish Book Club hadn't read it yet. 
Um, so I joined and came on to the first chat and I think I spoke over everyone because I was so excited to talk about the book and tell everybody how much I loved it. And then Douglas Stewart came on and we had a chat with him and it was just really amazing to speak to the author. Uh, after we spoke to Douglas Stewart, when he had won the Booker Prize, that I think for Scottish literature was really, it's not that it, Scottish literature already existed, of course, and all of most of the books that have since had a lot of, you know, kind of accolades and stuff were already probably written before Shuggy Bain won, won the Booker Prize. But I think what Shuggy Bain did was shine a light on it and it gave a really good platform for Scottish literature. So I think the Scottish Book Club came along at the absolute perfect time. And it's just like everything was just meant to be, you know, Shuggy Bain won the Booker Prize, Scottish Book Club, that was the first book we ever did. And everything just kind of went from there. And what the Scottish Book Club meant to me was, and what it means to me is just a way to connect with people from so many different backgrounds, so many different walks of life and talk about books. That's what I thought it was. And that's what I thought I was getting out of it. And <clears> that for me was massive. And it was really lovely to find a community and everybody understands me and there's no kind of, there's no barriers because we're all, we're all from... There's no ears and graces. Yeah, no. exactly. And it's just, it's really refreshing. You, you know, it's not a book club where people, you know, you have to be a certain way or you have to have a certain opinion. You're allowed to disagree. And, you know, you can do that in a friendly Scottish way and that's accepted. Shut up, Mark, and you're the <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, so that's what I thought I was getting out of the Scottish Book Club. That is what I got out. But I also got so much more. I found some lockdown for me personally was exceptionally difficult. Um, I worked at home all of the time and it was unexpectedly difficult. And the book club, along with all of the people in it, gave me a kind of escapism from work and other lockdown, COVID crazy stresses. And somewhere in amongst that, something happened and something changed. And I found all of these amazing friends that I will love and treasure all forever. That's nice. Yeah. What about you, Ella? How did you come about us? And what does it mean? Us? I'm speaking like us. Us, us. folk. How did you come across this group of folk? And, uh, and what does it mean to you? So in October, and I've just gone back on the 8th of October, 2020, someone set up a book chat. These are all the Scottish bookstagrammers I could find. And I thought, puzzle in a chat. The first response is from Scott saying, yes, I'm so humble with this. I always get excited when I see a Scottish bookstagrammer. I'm all in. And here you are with a podcast. So... Um, and it was nice, it was a good place to chat, but we didn't, like, we were just chatting. Mm -hmm. And then on the 27th of October, someone who set up said, what could we do with this? It's a great resource. And Natalie said, I wonder if we could maybe do a kind of Scottish book club thing. Um, and that's the words that she used. And I was on that chat and I, I remember I was in Wardstons when that was being, and I was like, oh, I'd love to do that. Because I think, or maybe I wasn't in Wilson's, maybe it was when the first one, because I think by that point we were in lockdown. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, oh, I'd love to talk to people about books and to try new books and to meet some more people who love books the way I do. So I was like, yeah, okay. And to be honest, Natalie will laugh. I don't really read sad books. Mm -hmm. I do more now because this book club, but like, <laughs> in general, you're welcome. Yeah, in general, the books I read are fairly happy or they're dystopian. They're not sad, say, in our world, in general. And therefore, I hadn't picked up Shuggy Bay because I was like, no, that looks sad. Um, it's happy. <clears> it's <throat> <you talk. laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, I know, right? But then I was like, okay. And I read it and I loved it. And I was saying to them earlier, everyone here earlier, I remember when the book was announced and I was messaging Natalie and I was watching it live and I cried when he won. And I've never even, I don't know if I've read a Booker Prize book before. And I was so invested. And that's how I found the book club. And to me, yeah, it does mean the books. There's some of my favorite books that I would have never found. I would have never read The Young Team and I loved it. Um, one of my best books this year. But I think the biggest thing I got was the people. Like seeing everyone, meeting everyone. I feel like they're friends I've had for years. 
and I at this point literally know them less than a year. So mm-hmm. yeah. I was already like, do you want to come and stay at my house? Do you want to? You were, and yeah. I was like, yeah, is this a joke? Because I'll be there. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I said to my partner, so Natalie says I can stay at her house. Do you think that's weird? Does it feel weird? Nope. Well, we were talking earlier, and I said the thing that feels weird is that it doesn't feel weird, mm-hmm. and that's great. Mm-hmm. And I, I love it. So that's why I go. Yeah, I, it's it's been it's a good distraction, but also it's a bit like a therapy session. Sometimes is how I describe it. <laughs> yeah, and I, th- I think that's the thing. You can you can come al- along to our chat, and you can just hit it up on the WhatsApp or or in the Instagram chats, and just say, "This was my day today." And there'll just be a wee community wave, just giving you a wee cuddle mm-hmm. and just letting you back out again. And there's there's times that we've seen it happen or I've been there myself and it's just exactly what you need after. I mean, an example is that I made this when my dad was ill mm. in the hospital for six months and I couldn't see him and I thought he was dying. Yeah. And Amy's very supportive anyway, but you guys were just like, Natalie, it's fine, like you're having a hard time and that, but also it's away from user disjointed from my real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something and a different. Beautiful distraction. I don't know how I would ever have dealt with that if I didn't have you guys to get me through it. And I think even if you're not in the moment, even if even if you're fine or even if you're struggling, but don't feel comfortable messaging, it's really nice in a day, even if it's just like oh. I got rained on and I'm tired. It's really nice to be like, oh, people are messaging and like they're having a good chat and I can chime in and then leave. But they're always there. Like I think that's a really important part about it. There's never any pressure for anyone to be anything or to do anything. And everything always comes back to the books, but there's so much more around it. So we can support each other, we can talk about random things, we can talk about stupid, ridiculous things, but also really important life affirming life changing things and we can you don't it's like you say like you don't have to share what's going on for you but you know that the unsaid is still heard Mm -hmm. and you're still seen Mm -hmm. and i don't know i just feel like that's really important Mm -hmm. love you guys love you love you too not crying i love you too (laughs) (laughs) you're all right (laughs) so before we go on to the reason we're here because we are all actually pure famous out of tits so famous. Like, autographs can be requested with email at the end of the show. Yep. Um, I was just wondering if you guys had any Scottish books of the week that you would like to put forward that maybe we have never read. So mine, you could call it an accidental Scottish book because oh. I didn't know the author was Scottish when I read it yes. because I was, I think, three. So... Um, it's actually a picture book. She means 30. She's not even 30 yet. Um, it's actually a picture book. It's called No Matter What by Debbie Gliori. And it's about a little fox who's like, would you love me even if I was a fly? And his mom's like, of course I would. I'd love you no matter what. And I do blah, blah, blah. Is it a spoiler to say a line from the end? It's no. a picture book. Right? I don't think it was going to be a children's well, Yeah, I think we're okay. And at the end, the mom's like holding him up and looking out at the stars. And he's saying, you know, Everything comes to an end. And she's like, but love like starlight never dies. And I will always love you. And it was, oh. it was the book my mum used to read me when I was little. Um, and it is my favourite picture book. And it's a truly beautiful book. Like, honestly, it's stunning. And the author is Scottish and she's written other books too. But I don't know them. Okay. And that moves us on to Lex. Do you want to tell us about your Scottish book pick? My Scottish book pick is actually a book that I read eight months ago. Mm. Uh, read it in February and it has stayed with me. I talk about it all the time. It has been on the list to be picked for the Scottish Book Club a number of times and it's never, never made it, very sadly. It's Luck and Booth by Jenny Fagan. Um, it's just one of the most incredible books I've ever read. It's based um, in Edinburgh but you don't have to know or like Edinburgh at all to love this book but one of the really powerful things about it is the vivid imagery Um, just the descriptions of Edinburgh are almost poetic um, and they're really beautiful 
Um, I really love it. It's very dark and gothic and it's full of absolute rage. Um, there's a lot of, it's kind of, it's a very hard book to describe in just a few words, but it's essentially the story um, of an Edinburgh tenement and um, its residence over a um, hundred years. And it's just one of the really unusual things about it is there's a lot of kind of supernatural stuff in it. So there's ghosts who are um, women and are absolutely raging, made my language there, about what's happened to them. Um, and there's a lot of historical content. Um, I found myself going down many a Google rabbit hole when I was reading it. Um, it's just beautifully written and it's, it's just wonderful. I, I, I would gush about it all day if I could. One of the things that I really loved about reading Luck and Booth was the journey that I went on after it because I had never heard of Jenny Fagan as an author before. And again, that's really terrible. She's a very well-known Scottish author and she is wonderful. I've since read Panopticon. I didn't know what it was about before I picked it up. Um, and I was really, really blown away by Panopticon. I just absolutely loved it. And she's, I know that her memoirs about to come out or coming out in the next couple of months her memoir up to the age of 16 um, and she was a kid experienced person so I think it's going to be super super interesting um, so kind of deviating away from the book Luck and Booth itself but everybody should read it whether it's a Scottish book club pick or not because it's wonderful I have been trying to get everybody in the Scottish book club As have I. I also <coughs> bought it in preparation <coughs> for yeah, thinking so it was going I. to be picked and it's still on my shelf hardback sitting waiting so um if you are in scotch book club and you're listening basically pick it or else so now it's time for the reason we are here which is our main scottish book of the week which is news of the dead by james robertson <laughs> So, News of the Dead takes us deep in the mountains of northeast Scotland, where lies Glen Connor, a place of secrets and memories, fables and history. In particular, it holds the story of three different eras, separated by centuries, yet linked by location, an ancient manuscript and echoes that travel across time. In ancient Pickland, the Christian hermit Connor contemplates God and nature, performs miracles and prepares himself for sacrifice. Long after his death, legends about him are set down by an unknown hand in the Book of Connacht. Generations later, in the early 19th century, self-promoting antiquarian Charles Kirkliston Gibb is drawn to the Glen and into the big house at the heart of its fragile community. In the present day, young Lachie whispers to Maya of a ghost he thinks he has seen. <laughs> Reflecting on her long life, Maya believes him, for she is haunted by ghosts of her own. <laughs> Obviously, we're reading this as a part of the Big Scottish Book Club with yeah. Damien Bark. Yeah. And aren't we so excited? Absolutely buzzing, mate. First of all, is this a book that you would have usually picked up? No. Why is that? It, it just blurb on its own. Didn't sell it to me. Mm. Um, cover's beautiful. Lovely, yeah. But again, doesn't look like the kind of book I'd pick up. Well, for me, because I don't read the back of covers or anything, the synopsises and stuff to me it and the the title sounds like a crime book to me so i literally went no thank you yeah i i looked at it and thought oh i i, I don't need crime books. when we were asked to read it i had actual sweats going oh my <laughs> god we do not usually read this kind of book and we are not going to appreciate it especially going straight in after Mash House, which is very crimey as well, to then read this one. Um, so it was quite surprising. It was very surprising. There were elements that were surprising. <laughs> I think it surprised me because the thing I got out of it was not 
what happened in it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It was the ideas that were discussed rather than the actual events of the book. And that is definitely not normal for me. Mm -hmm. I would say that's very much the same for me. I took a lot, the plot in and of itself, you, a lot of people may argue there wasn't one or what was the plot. The plot was kind of, I don't know the best word to describe it, loose, shall we say. Um, and for me, it was more about the kind of the theory of the reason and why they were bringing the three stories across the centuries together. Um, and I think there was a kind of underlying message within the book, or there was a, a number of underlying messages within the book that weren't really about the stories. The stories were just used as a vessel to yeah bring to those. carry it promote yeah. these themes, isn't exactly. it? It is, yeah. and you've got the three timelines within the book in completely different time and time periods within these timelines so we kind of go way way back and then we're brought up to today not just the modern day we are talking about right here right now um with one of the timelines as well and um, so there is that interest in weaving of tales throughout it but ultimately they all have the same sort of umbrella theme of stories and tales and things being shared through the ages yeah did anybody get the element of faith about it so i mean i understood it was there it wasn't the thing i took from it it made me think i don't have a faith really um right. a religious faith should i say i have faiths but it's not a religious faith and it made me look at myself and think about it in a way that no book has really ever made me think about it, it before what I took from it in terms of the religion and the faith that was in it was something that I had always kind of thought myself and that it talked a lot about stories and narrative and where the stories come from and the Bible and being a book of stories and where did those stories originally come from and it made me really think about that more um, you know because whoever wrote the stories that are in the Bible wasn't there at the time yeah so that in itself you know and and it was just that when they were talking about that they were saying that that's repeated throughout time and to think about the bible the quran any other religious books in that way as a book of stories is really very interesting because people who wrote them weren't there and when you think about it in the context of this book you start to think about which parts are true which parts are someone's perspective, which parts are legend, and what changed over the course of time. It did really touch on the whole thing of an unreliable or reliable narrator. And I think all through the book, you trust and then distrust characters the whole way. And I think that's a really nice exploration of, like we're saying, looking at everyday life and looking at these tales and these things that are passed down are, are slightly <clears throat> older than maybe we are. And we have to think about sources, about how true things can be. And, and that was a nice exploration throughout the book. And what about the characters? Now, I've touched on the stories that they portray. I think that was quite unusual. Everyone else seems to have much preferred Maya. And I much preferred reading Dib. I thought it was a really interesting flawed, unreliable narrator. But I found the plot that there was in his bit much more interesting than Maya's. Mm -hmm. I think Maya had a lot of powerful <coughs> quotes. Yeah. So Maya's chapter were very, very quotable. And a lot of her, what she said and what her thoughts made me sit and think. But that was because, I think that's because she is an older woman she's an old lady and yeah. she's been through life yeah. and she's reflecting on her life um and she t she's basically telling you about how she feels about her dying and her legacy what whatever legacy she's leaving if she's going to leave one yeah i think the thing that i heard from all of them was their voices were very much of their times so maya's felt very modern it felt very quotable because it felt very relatable mm -hmm. she was talking about a history that i understood and that i lived very recent yeah, yeah absolutely things that i remember i mean i'm not that old to remember all the things that she's talking about obviously the 1920s <laughs> well okay maybe maybe goes um and then with gib he was very much of his time when i was reading some of gib chat gib's chapters i felt 
like I was reading a classic. Yeah. I really, really did. And then I think it's the same when we were talking about Conniff as well, because when you were reading this, it's interesting that you talk about faith, because when you think about people of that time, faith is something that's very strong and very important to them. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing that, like, I love discussing books, and this is part of why Maya felt like a classic to me and Gip didn't. Oh. I was reading Gip and I was like, yeah, grand you're chatting, like, it's like what it is, I suppose. Someone writing something set in the past, but for a modern reader. So I in no way was like, I don't really understand what you're saying, or this is hard to read. Whereas Maya, I mean, I get it. I think a lot of people found it very relatable. I found it very theoretical and very philosophical. And because of that, it took me a lot. I was just a bit like, it feels like a classic. Mm-hmm. Much more than Gibb for me. And I know that's not the consensus, but I find that interesting. I think the thing that really gave the Maya chapter something for me is that if we take the book as a whole, she doesn't actually feature a lot up until towards the end of the book where she then gets a big moment to kind of voice things. And before then, chapters were quite small. We were only getting little snippets of her life and her experience. So we kind of only get those little bits, whereas I felt with the Gib chapters, they were long and kind of drawn out to an extent. I don't know if that's the best way to describe them, but there was there was one or two points being made, but it took a lot of pages to be able to say it. Um, whereas with the Maya chapters, I felt it was one thing to say, and I'm going to say it really quickly. And actually, now that we're talking about it, is that actually quite clever? Mm-hmm. I was just about to say, I, it's only just dawned on me, but I think that's quite remarkable. When you think of Maya, she had to say it quickly because she didn't have a lot of time yeah. left. Whereas Gib, he had all this time to kill because he had nowhere that he had to be. He was, well, the, he was the, through the book, time. through the book, he is always saying, oh, I hope I can stay here longer. I wonder what I can do to stay here longer. I'm going to leave mm-hmm. and stay here longer. And that was always there for for Gib whereas Maya in the modern world we've got to get through things quickly and that's the sort of pace that we live at now where it was a very different pace to what we were we're seeing in the the Gib chapters. So here's an interesting thing we're talking about Gib um, and his long drawn out chapters and how he had a lot of time to kill and how that's the way it was then. The whole book is about stories and how they're passed down and whether they're believable or not. Do you think that Gib could just be a storyteller and that none of this might have happened? I think that it's all about perspective and I think every story is told from one perspective. But you could have five people in the room that would were all present for the same event and they would all explain how things happened in a different way. And we would all go away and those five people will tell their family and then their family will tell that story differently. Every time a story is passed on, and that's the thing about oral history, isn't it? It depends when you tell it and how you tell it and who you tell it to because their interpretation of what you see might vary and the meaning of one word might, you know, what a word means in Glasgow could be different than how, what it means in Edinburgh. And just that little difference could change a story entirely. So I don't necessarily think that it was because he was unrelated <coughs> or that he wasn't telling the truth. I think with oral history and the way that things are passed down, things can change and things can be added. And it's all about perspective. It's interesting to- talking about that. You, you would think makes me think about Scabby Queen and Cleo Campbell and how she was from her the way she was perceived was from everybody else's point of view um, and that everybody a lot of our readers didn't enjoy Cleo Campbell because of how that um, these people had had portrayed her when actually you don't know how things were for Cleo Campbell as a person. And that's what's interesting about, it's very current. Even written in a book that is from three different generations like News of the Dead is, that is such a current topic. I absolutely love that you linked Scabby Queen and News of the Dead because I absolutely adored Scabby Queen. It was, for me, a wonderful book. And I thought it was, what I found wonderful about it was 
that we looked at someone's life from the perspective of every single person or almost every person that knew her but never really from her perspective and that's the thing that I loved about Music <coughs> Dead it's, it was that same kind of link and I, I just think that thing in itself is so interesting you know you never really one person never really knows someone you only know a part of someone um, mm-hmm. and, and that's what I found really interesting. And it's only the part that people are willing to show. So News of the Dead's made up of News of the Dead, so people that have passed away, and it is their stories. So yeah. the name's actually really, really quite clever as well. Um, but... So they, the stories that they're passing down, that they've written down for future generations, are how they want people to see the... the for people to see them. Yeah, Absolutely. that's a very good point. And I quite like the theoretical discussion there of <clears throat> if the only version we have of a story was incorrect at the time it's written down, but that's all we know, then is it incorrect? Because it's other questions like if a wood, if a tree falls in a wood, no one hears it. So mm-hmm. make noise, like, or does a bear shit in the woods? <laughs> exactly. If the only record we have of this one event we don't know if it's wrong or right, and we will never know. We have to take it as gospel because we have no other evidence. But that's the thing, I don't think it ever is necessarily wrong or right because every person's got many different sides and many different versions of that person. And I think one of the things that kind of brought that home to me recently, and I thought a lot about when I read this book, is um, we had a death in our family um, recently, and at the person's funeral lots and lots of people were coming up and telling stories of mm. so it was my, my partner's father and they were, they were coming up and they were saying oh they're telling us a story about this and that and the person that they were describing wasn't always someone that was known to us so for example we found out that my partner's um, father had been in a book club none of us knew this none of us knew this absolutely no idea you would think that would be something that I knew had absolutely no idea and it just really made me think of that that how how much do you ever really know someone even somebody who is super super close to you because who one person is to me there's somebody different to somebody else mm-hmm. and I just think it's a really interesting concept that the book well, really well interestingly I also lost someone just before I read before I read this book and because it touches on people being people leaving you and the stories not being told um I think that sometimes when people pass away other people tell stories about them and we sometimes step back and think did we actually ever know them mm -hmm. it's not that we didn't know them I think it's that we knew a part of them Mm-hmm. Yeah. maybe a version of them maybe a side of them and it doesn't make the other parts of them less true mm-hmm. it, br- it just bring it almost brings everything to the fore doesn't it and it's it's about what people have experienced through lives and through these connections through being social with someone and living with someone it's, it's that element of bringing everything together and almost seeing all of the faces because we're all very different we all have that yeah. Um, sort of different way that we behave or act as we go through life um, and it's only in moments like people passing that we really get to really reflect on how people have touched us or how people have um, almost influenced or been part of so many different lives in so many different ways and it's through telling these stories like we're seeing through News of the Dead that mm-hmm. they, they come to the surface and we get to see everything which is nice isn't it so um just what you're saying Lex I recently lost somebody very close to me as well and we're talking about passing stories down through generations um and it made me reflect on the stories that I knew and that my father knows and that his mother knows that maybe his children do not know and they won't wouldn't be able to pass it down to their children and their children and their children and is that saying that where you die, two deaths, the first mm-hmm. death's when your soul leaves you, and then the second death is when the last person says your name. Um, and it made me, th- that's, that book made me think about that a lot and how you need to keep someone's memory alive. You have to make sure that their legacy lives on through your family and your generations to come. Talk about For that. sure. 
to say their name. Yep. Three times. <laughs> <laughs> I think when, it's an interesting thing with a book like this. You can not necessarily love the content of the plot, the story, not necessarily be completely invested in the characters, but you can pull something out of it. And yeah. I think sometimes authors like him are really, really clever in doing that mm -hmm. because I don't think his message was necessarily about Gib or Maya's story. I, I think I'm not saying that we got it more than other people might get it, but I think his message was about history and oral history and about people living on through Expedia. I know I need to stop saying the word oral. <laughs> oh, say it again. Well, that was quite an in-depth conversation that we've managed to have about the book. So I guess let's round up. Hmm. What did you, or, or what quote in our News of the Dead really summed up the book for you or what quote are you taking away from the book having read it because it is as we've said a very quotable oh, book yeah very much so it definitely is and my book as you can see here is tabbed a lot very much lots and lots of tabs a lot of tabs lot as of your books. book club reader i give you an a plus excellent thank you so much i'm a teacher so it means more you can have an a plus <laughs> i don't charge at all an a plus i and thought that was my book Does that like me? People have been messaging in our book. Mine is actually that. Oh. This is just not mine. Mine is in my bag. Oh, my bag. My bag. <laughs> so I have tabbed many quotes in this book because a lot of it spoke to me and most of them are about history. Um, but the one that spoke to me the most and really kind of sums up the book is we're all ghosts really whether we know it or not we come and go and after a while we go forever and only a few memories and stories are left behind with other people and even those go eventually that does sum up exactly what we're talking about about legacies about losing someone about passing things during the generations and about how stories make a difference yeah very poignant what about you? Ella, Ella, is there something you took from the book? I did, but it, it's interesting because <clears throat> I also took a lot about history, but very much, I'm a bit of a history nerd, and I took a lot about not history being like your guys, what you were discussing. I, I, didn't, I think I kind of missed that, actually. I very much took, like, the theory of history as a study and, like, who is allowed to be remembered and who's allowed to whose voice was preserved because of the periods of the time and our right. conceptions about those people and how that affects what we now know and how that affects who we remember and what that means for a culture if the only people you remember are only a certain group, you know. And I took that a lot from this book and I think it really stood out to me. And I, I actually sent this quote to our group chat. Um, so it's a little bit long, so I'm sorry. But it's someone saying, basically a woman, had written part of the history and a modern historian was saying it was unreliable. Um, and Maya says, why is it unreliable? Just because Jesse Milne had a hand in it, I asked. Well, he said, there are things in Gibbs diaries that cast some doubt on her. Well, her motivation and objectivity. Oh, I said, and was Gibb beyond reproach? I mean, when it comes to being reliable, Dr. Tybalt looked annoyed again. Not entirely, he said. And yet up until that point, they took Gibbs' word as fact. Yeah. And I think that's because he was A, a man, B, a historian, in inverted commas, he admits himself, like studied a bit and then told everyone he was a historian, you know, and C, he was what had been previously assumed to be correct. So then it wasn't questioned. But this new woman coming in who actually lived in the area and was from the area he was recording, they just went, oh, well, you're not the person we heard about and you're a woman and you're not really even meant to be that literate, I don't think. So it's probably unreliable and wrong. And I think that completely sums up how our preconceptions affect the study of history and therefore affect what we remember. And that's what I took from this book. Like, I came away being like, oh, I want to write an essay. <laughs> like, it was fascinating, honestly. As a real history nerd, like, it was fascinating.
There's also the thing that Gib pretends to be a certain class. Yeah, yeah. and I thought, I thought that was so interesting. So I'm getting all head up because Gib is not a very likable person, to be honest. A lot of people didn't like him. I was one of the few who enjoyed reading his parts, I think. But it's so interesting because he, you think all the time until it's not that late on, but you think, oh, he's rich and well off and educated and he's just like taking everyone's money. And then you find out actually his dad died and his mum isn't well off and he's had to like claw his way up and he doesn't eat. And okay, he does get food dishonestly by like sponging off people, but he, <clears throat> but he does it because he has no other way to earn. He is surviving. That's and and he, wants to, he wants to be a historian. He wants to study. And there is no other way to do that in his time without connections than lying. And I think that's a really interesting perspective of it was not a meritocracy. If you were not rich and if you did not have connections, you basically couldn't do that job. So he got it the way he could. And I think that's a really interesting side to his character. Mm -hmm. So they are absolutely cracking quotes. And two of my favourite points, probably, that have been made. Two very different yeah. quotes as well. And for two very different reasons, they've been chosen, which again, isn't this why we love books? Yeah. Isn't this why we like books? Because we can all, as a group, read a book and we can all come at it with a different angle and we can all come away with something else. Like the book, dislike the book, love the characters, hate them, doesn't matter. What have we taken? What can we discuss? Well, that's Here's the evidence. It's not even why books are important, but why, why book communities are important yes. and how yep. sharing your thoughts and feelings on a book because there's somebody out there that maybe didn't get that, but that could still be important to them. Well, it's such a good example of why you like not realizing your own preconceptions. Absolutely. It yeah. so, makes reading so interesting. Like we went into our chat and I'm not gonna lie, I was like five, nine days behind our read along. Everyone else was near the end and I was on page 13. <laughs> I was like, right, I'm gonna start reading. Um, I got reading and I was like, wow, really enjoying Gib. Not really chiming with Maya, to be honest. And I went to the chat and everyone was like, oh, well, Maya, finding Gib a bit hard. And I was like, that would have never occurred to me. And then people being like, it's like a classic. And I'd read a few bits and I was like, oh, Maya's bits, yeah, they so are. And then I read it and everyone was like, yeah, Gib. And I was like, oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and I wouldn't have known that without our read along. Mm -hmm. So speaking of book communities, you're our book community. So if you've got any thoughts on News of the Dead by James Robertson, please get in touch via all of the information at the end of the episode. And if there's any other books that you'd like us to dissect in a Scottish Book Club special, let us know. We're happy to get our... Peepers on the pages. So, I'm going to let you in on a bit of a behind-the-scenes knowledge here, okay? You don't need to get in closer, Natalie. This is, right, it's quite uncomfortable. Tell me. Get your cheek off my cheek, right? Get a wah. Fucking tell me. We're going back to Zoom after this. So, this is actually being recorded the night before the big British Broadcasting Corporation come ruined Natalie's house. What's that? Ah, that's a BBC. You know when you switch on the telly and you get BBC One and BBC Two? I don't have a telly. Right, well, most folk turn on BBC One and BBC Two. But for us, we're in Scotland. So we have... BBC Scotland. That was not a Scottish accent. Aye. <laughs> BBC Scotland. Yummy Sassenach. So, this is the night before the big telly interview. So, right now, we're not famous. But by the time you hear this, we are hanging out with Robert Downey Jr. and Cameron Diaz. No, we are not. We're hanging out with Robert Kaleo and... Barton Hawksley. Lulu. <laughs> yeah. So, so what we're going to now do is share our thoughts on what we think is going to happen tomorrow. How we feel it's all going to go. Well, I'm not going to swear because I don't <laughs> swear. Well, as the editor of this podcast, <laughs> I beg to differ. What are you fucking talking about? Shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> Right. So, so guys, how are you feeling about tomorrow? 
they're worried about my voice. Yeah, well, Ella. Mm, yeah. <laughs> We'll need to work on like some actions that you can do. Maybe we'll need to get some sign language to make lessons mm -hmm. or something before we go live. You just do the YMCA. Great. Caddy's waiting ruined Ella's voice, but I had a cold and then I went to a wedding and whenever I tried to talk, it was very loud. I woke up this morning to no voice. <laughs> Not COVID, folks. We have lateral flow tests coming out for our ears. Yeah. Oh, that's another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this isn't a visual art yeah. form. So yeah, I pulled a, I pulled a lap flow in the ears. Well, I am very excited about being on the telly. I've never been on the telly before. I'm a little bit worried about Natalie and Scott being on the telly because I'm a bit worried the fame might go to their head and they'll forget us all. It already what has. Look yeah, at I mean, yeah, I think it already Who are has. They? Who are these people? <laughs> Why then your hoots? <laughs> Amy! <laughs> no, I'm actually really excited to be on the TV because ever since my sister was about eight, nine, she was on Songs of Praise. Uh, and I've never been on the TV. Unbeatable, obviously. But now I'm going to be on the TV. Well, actually, I've just realised I forgot about this, but I can absolutely get one off on my big sister. That's what this is all about. Exactly. This is what everything's about, right? She was on the telly with Gregor Fisher. Ella doesn't have a sister. Oh, I've got a stepsister, but... When we were we, she was on the telly with Gregor Fisher. She made one of those information videos for schools about Stranger Danger, and Gregor Fisher was on it. Yeah, I was really jealous. Well, now you're on the big Scottish book club with Damien Barr. Which well, is my even sister. More than my sister, same sort of thing. My sister was in a news thing when she was cleaning out the toilets in a courtroom and they caught her coming out. So she's been on the telly. She's made it big. And I've not been on the telly. Right. This is tomorrow. This is it. This is sisters. Us against bench. sisters. That's it. How are you feeling? Because you're the big leader. How well, are you I'm feeling really just this? scared that maybe I didn't pick the right five from the book club to come with me. Oh, that's not very well, nice. Well, that's charming. That's so rude. I feel loved. Don't show me up, guys. So rude. That's a fucking warning. There's a swearing again. I'll mix up your bookshelves. Yeah, I'm going to mess up my house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to talk to you about it and, like, get to hear from James Robertson when they film the main show and hear what he thought about yeah. it in response to our thoughts. I think that'll be really yeah. interesting. I'm really excited to see what the rest of the book club think about it. And I just hope that we do everybody proud. Yeah, that's yeah. We represent Absolutely. We represent our little community well. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, up until this very moment, I hadn't really thought about that pressure. So thanks for that. <laughs> Neither had I. <laughs> Love that, Natalie, thanks. <laughs> What what are you looking forward to about like uh, just the whole experience? I mean, like we're saying, we've not been on the telly before. This is big. Yeah. So what is, are you going to what are you, what are you buzzing for? Is somebody going to do my makeup? I'm here. I'll do your eyeliner. My mum says to me, "Get somebody to send me photos when they're putting you in the makeup chair and they're doing your makeup." I says, "Mum, they're not <laughs> going to be doing my makeup." She says, "Either will, but tell them they better not make you look like a Oompa Loompa." <laughs> right, I mean, I only came because I thought I was going to get my makeup professionally done. Like, oh, you saying my cat wing eyeliner wasn't good enough? Yeah, I mean, maybe. Right, so, mm -hmm. like, I'll see you later. You can watch it on BBC. BBC. <laughs> Scotland. Enjoy. <laughs> what about you, Scott? I don't really know. I'm just, I'm just really excited to be able to see when this show airs. I'm just really excited to be able to go around and say, guys, check me out. I'm on half past seven, BBC Scotland. Watch it. Look out. I'm really excited. Just buzzing to be I'll able be to I'll be there say, like, check out. You can't hear me, <laughs> but I'm on it. You can see my face. <laughs> yeah. For me, now this is going to sound so rubbish, but I am excited to just get in the room. Even though there's cameras there, get in the room with the other two people that are going to be in this, yeah. go to the pub and sit and chat about this book and see what questions the BBC come up with for we've us. We've never been able to do Which that. actually we've not done. That's a really interesting point. This we is are, the first book club meeting. Yeah, we are a Zoom 
sort of conference. We, we, we meet together on a Zoom call, but we're actually going to sit around the table and talk about a book, like a real book club, aren't we? I mean, like a real book club. <coughs> I think Do we not just sit and drink wine then at a real book club and talk about what we had for our tea that week? I was about to say, does that mean I can have my usual gin and tonic while we're chatting? At 10 in the morning, you can do whatever you want. I'm having a craft beer. I've spoken about it. Um, I'll be there with a hot water and lemon. Like, <laughs> sorry, do you have any coffee? So like... YTB and your BBC. Reading all your books. So, we got a bit serious there with News of the Dead. We're all crying with the wee cuddle. Things may or may not happen. <laughs> Do you want to have a wee bit of fun now? Yes. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if your fun is going to be our kind of fun. I mean, so what you need to do is, I'll meet you in the bedroom, just take a <laughs> off. Oh, no, 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 this has been recorded. This has been recorded. <laughs> sorry, sorry. PC one now. PC. Have you got your timer ready, Scott? Oh, let me just pull out my timer. Oh, here he is. Can I just timer? In the, when we listened to episode one, we beat you. We were five seconds before you. I'm not Oh, well, here we go. Right. Is this a joint effort? No. So, oh. We're not giving them a book, though. No. Right. So, so this is guest done in, done in 60 seconds. Guest. Guest. Yes. You have come on to our lovely podcast and we have chatted books and chatted life. Now it's time <coughs> for the big. Now it's time for the big questions. We are going to set a 60 second timer and we are going to ask you, Lex and Ella, to give us your immediate response to these questions. So, are you ready? Yes. Scott, are you ready? No. Great. But I will be in three, two, one. Slice of square sausage. Square sausage. Veggie sausage. Ooh, salt and vinegar or salt and sauce? Salt and vinegar. Always salt and vinegar with pickles. Favourite Scottish book? No matter what. Or, oh. or the young team. Oh, Shuggy Bean and Duck Feet. Nice. Shuggy Feet. Shuggy Feet. <laughs> Where is your favourite place in Scotland? Isle of Skye. Apple Cross, Wester Ross. East. Oh, favourite Scottish word? Ball bag. Um, three. Wait. Second time we've heard that. That's such a series. popular word. That's such a popular word. Right. Um. Sorry. East coast or west coast? East. West is best. Oh, east. Number seven. Scott or Natalie? Scotty. Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. I don't know how you fucking kept talking about each other and then talking <laughs> like fucking shut up. Oh, sorry. And that's the time up. Thanks for taking part in that one. That was good fun. We've never had a duel. 60 seconds done in. East v West as well. It was actually interesting. Some shared responses, but also some very different responses. Okay. What an exciting episode of the We Scottish Book Club we have just had. But unfortunately, all good things must come to an end. And so must this podcast. Oh, like the whole thing forever. <laughs> Oh no, we'll be back next week. Yes! <laughs> but until then, please don't be a stranger. Please get in touch via all of the normal communication lines, which is the email at the We Scottish Book Club at gmail.com. You can find Natalie. Instagram, Scotty's and Books. Twitter, Scotty's and Books. You can find myself at Scott You're Reading on Instagram. Where can we find you, Lex? At Lex Reads on Instagram. And Ella. At Books with Bell. Wonderful. And thank you so much for everyone who has listened to our podcast so far. At the time of filming this, we have literally just released episode one. Mm -hmm. And we can't thank you enough for all your support. Remember, if you get any questions or anything you want to come up in the podcast, or if you ever want to be a guest. Please get in touch. Also, a big thank you to Ella and Lex for coming on agreeing to be with us they're getting free boarding mate i think they'll taste <laughs> well, in that case do your buddy told so on that note scott you dancing oh <gasps> you asking 
Ella, do you want to dance? Oh, dinner. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast where we speak about the loves. <laughs> oh, I've got a good Scottish one. I can't remember what it's called. Am I the only one with a voice? Genuinely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, men. Men just have voices. Women don't stop. Shut <laughs> up, women. Like a t shirt. Uh, There's nothing sexy about Margaret Thatcher. Speak for yourself, hey. Right on the end of your sentence as well. It's like it's like we can finish each other's sandwiches. News of the deed. News of the deed. I would bury your shoulder, don't I? Peepers, peepers. Get your peepers. Get your peepers. Scott needs a poo when you go. It's like a proper gurgle of the belly. That was weird.